0: Um, I am telling you, I, I have been so overwhelmed by God's goodness, and, and just I want to thank you as a church family for all your prayers and all your love and kindness and, and cards and just the goodness that you've shown us during uh, uh, what we've gone through, but also I just want to acknowledge the fact that God, God is so gracious and so generous to us here. In the last five weeks we've heard awesome amazing insightful inspiring challenging messages from god through judy alvarez through dave parker jr through dennis sandberg through mark colbrunner and jeremy roberts and i'm telling you i have sat and watched these and and been so blessed and i have to tell you i i knew this day was approaching and and i began to get very very nervous which i always have been nervous but not doing this for a while the nerves started to come back but then listening to the messages i i i said god this is amazing this this what you do through the vessels that present themselves to you to be used to speak your word the the wisdom the understanding, the encouragement that comes through that is just amazing. And, and I, I just want us to thank God for those that gave themselves to present the Word of God during these last five weeks. I just thank God for them. And if you didn't hear them or didn't see them, I really encourage you to go and, and catch up because, you know, God always builds. It may be different people that stand up here, but there's one that's behind it all, and that's God. Holy Spirit is the one that continues to bring a continuity to what is taught here, and it should be, a continuity of what's taught worldwide, because it's the same Spirit of God. And, and He is the one that is guiding the church now. You know, Jesus is the head of the church, but Holy Spirit lives in us to lead us and guide us, and, and we need to be aware that that leading is so important um, and what I'm going to share this morning started off months and months ago, into last year. Um, <clears throat> but as I have gone through this, this, these last seven or eight months, it's, it's become more clear. But I want to start out this morning uh, and, and just pray because I believe that God has something to impart to you, to impress upon you, and, and to cause you to have an aha moment. Where you're going to say, God, I realize, okay, I get it. And, and make that adjustment, make that pivot that we all need to make daily or weekly to stay on track with God. So if you just bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, for your provision. You said where two or more are gathered, you are there in their midst. And Father, we, we need your participation. Speak to us. You can speak to each one of us individually here, those that are listening and watching online, uh, because you're with all of us, and we need you. We need your truth to not only set us free, but keep us free. We need your word to cause us to experience life and health. Father, we thank you for healings today. Your word that's truth that would set us free. We thank you for deliverances. And and the newness of life that comes through you, Lord, you're the Word made flesh that dwelled among us. Your Word, Father, that brings illumination and understanding and revelation that we can make the appropriate adjustments and experience transformation, going from glory to glory in our life. And we thank you, Father. We thank you that there's no one here or online or anywhere that's not seen by you, not cared about by you. There's no one that you haven't made a plan for good for. And yet, Father, we need to turn to you and trust in you for that to come to pass. And so we are looking to you and listening for you to speak to us that we would be eternally changed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, you know... um, been out because of this back surgery, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that, but um, realizing that we've been going through some difficult times for the last, how long? couple of years, right? And, and it's been intense. In, in all my time on the earth, which some of you may think is really long, but I've been told I don't look as old as I used to a few weeks ago. <laughs> Um, but, but I've never seen the challenges that the world has had, and, and Christians. You know, it used to be when, when I was growing up and I was a young man, um, there were battles, but it was like we used to have a space between the battles. It was like waves. You'd hit a wave, get hit by a wave, and then you'd have time to recover and take a breath and kind of clean yourself off, and then another wave would come. And now it just seems like one after another, after another, after another. And they're not little things, they're big things and real challenges. And I don't know about you, but I know that when I have struggled with things in the past and now recently with all the stuff going on, I'm asking God all sorts of questions. Anybody here ask God questions? If you don't, you're missing out. But I also want to tell you, you can ask Him all the questions you want. You can't force an answer. All right? And he may not answer your questions. My first question, when things go on the way they do and they have, I would ask why. Why is this happening? And I never got an answer except what the Word of God says. The Word of God tells us what's going on in this time. The Bible says in the world in these days, darkness is going to increase. Evil is going to increase. And so I should not be surprised, I should just realize God forewarned us and God told us this, that the people were going to become more wicked, more desperate, more destructive than ever before, darkened by evil, but we don't need to be afraid. Now, that's a choice, isn't it? Because if you listen to the news or Read about what's going on or or get your information off the internet. There's all sorts of things. Even, Even yesterday, out in Western New York, there was a mass shooting. It was terrible. And it's because of the wickedness of men. Without God, humanity is depraved, it is evil without God, because of sin. We're in a broken world. And yet God has said where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. There's a provision in the midst of the problem that can overcome the problem if we're looking to God and trusting in God. And so all of this, I was asking God, what's going on? Why, why, why? And then I experienced a situation with my back that I had not had before, and it was, it was intense and debilitating. And, and I'm just going to take a couple of minutes because I feel like I'm supposed to just share some things about how this, this direction from God began to happen in my life. And so I had this problem. I went to the emergency room, and the emergency room doctor scared me. This was back when Debbie couldn't come to the emergency room. I went in there by myself. And uh, I was in, in, in just debilitating pain. And the doctor walked in and he said, and he's a good doctor, and he said, uh, Mr. Heck, we have called a neurosurgeon. He's not going to operate on you today, but you have to see him tomorrow. I mean, I, I've never had anybody say anything like that to me before. And, and fear came at me and wanted to grip me and I had to make a decision. What am I going to do? You know, I can be overwhelmed by this fear and, and just terrified, or I can trust God. And so, I didn't know how, but I knew who. I knew God was still with me. And so, I went home and I shared with Debbie and And uh, we did what we were told. We saw a doctor, and he gave us some information we hadn't had before about what was going on in in my back. And uh, he had a provision to be able to take care of the the pain that was debilitating, and we had done that a couple of times. And long story short, um, it finally came to the place where he said, you know, uh, Mr. Heck, what we're doing for you is easing your pain. We're not taking care of the problem and the damage that's being done and at this point, you need to have surgery. And we heard what he had to say, and, and the surgery that they were gonna do was very invasive, very involved. They were gonna put titanium rings in and take out discs and fuse vertebrae and put rods in my my spine. And and they said you're going Uh oh. Okay. You're gonna be in a back brace for three months and you're gonna be not doing much, and it's gonna take a year for you to heal. And it's three months off before we can can uh, take you into surgery. All the time, it's becoming more and more apparent that things are not going well. And I didn't realize it, and I apologize to you because I didn't realize I was doing my best to try and not show this. But it showed pretty clearly because people have said, man, your, your countenance has changed. You've gotten taller. <laughs> and uh, here I am. Um, that I'm, I'm trying to keep this a secret, but because I didn't want to burden anybody, but I thank you for your prayers. And, and so we, we got this diagnosis and this plan of attack, and it seemed very overwhelming. And our son, our oldest son, uh, called, and we told him and our youngest son, and they were praying. And our oldest son said, You know, I, I gave you a referral. You need to go to another doctor to get a second opinion. And I was very resistant, I, I just was being a hardhead, And my son called me on it and uh, Debbie got an appointment for a doctor that he had found through his work when he was working in Chicago who said, this is the doctor you need to go to. And it was God's provision. And I was resisting, do you believe this? I was resisting God's provision. <laughs> like we all do at times because we think we know and we want to be in faith and it's not always faith sometimes it's foolishness and so we went in and saw this doctor and he was in Syracuse and the doctor walked in the door and I looked at him and I thought I was going to have to start listing off what my medications were like he was an assistant because the guy was so young I didn't even think he could drive Debbie and I were like But uh, he said, Mr. Heck, I've I've reviewed all your your films and uh, the CT scans and the x-rays and the MRIs, and he said, uh, I am confident that we do not have to do the major surgery that you are facing, and we can give you results that will be taking care of your issues. And he said... uh, We're not gonna go through your stomach, we're gonna go through your back and we're gonna cut a piece out of your your vertebra. And as soon as you're out of surgery, the leg that hasn't been working, hasn't been stable and holding you will now be able to hold you. The pain that you've experienced in your back will be dramatically decreased. And it will only take you six weeks to start to feel like you're back to normal. I said, deal. <laughs> and, and then he went on to say, he said, Mr. Heck, you know, the longer we wait for this, the more damage you're continuing to do. And we want to get you in as quick as possible. And I said, that is great. And he said, we're going to get you in in April. Now, this was just like a month away where the other one was still three months off. I said, okay, let's do it and as he said it did happen but one of the things he found was after they did what they did and took care of all the stuff they had found a cyst in uh, my spinal cord area that was pressing on the nerve on my leg they hadn't even seen it but it is true immediately i was able to walk without feeling unstable pain had decreased dramatically and it's continued to get better and better and better (laughs) Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But I want you to understand, it was a combination of things. It was a combination of of, uh, our son knowing and being given that resource of another doctor. It was a combination of my wife doing what she did to make sure I I was connected in and I got the appointments. The doctor doing what he did and you, all of you praying and God doing what he does. You know, that's why it's so important to be a part of a a body of believers. We have our, our blood families, but I'm telling you something, something that lasts longer than a blood family is the blood of Jesus' family. And that family is so important to us being able to live in this world, live through these challenges that come at us all the time, because they do. I mean, all of us are facing challenges. It's, it's unrelenting. And yet, in this time of challenge, God doesn't want us overwhelmed. God wants us to overcome. In the midst of these challenges, these hardships, these things that we don't expect, don't want, don't desire, don't deserve, we need to be able to face them with confidence and hope that no matter what we're facing, that the promise of God, Romans 8, 28, he's going to work all things for good. Because you and I can't choose what comes to us each day. But we can make the choice that whatever comes to us or comes at us, we recognize we don't face it alone. That we can have a trust and confidence in God. And we can actually become better through Him. And and so, in my question of God, why? I knew I didn't get or for understanding what was going on in the world. And then, God, how? How how can I overcome? What what do I need to do? What's going to happen? And all these things fly through your mind. And we've got to take control of our mind. We've got to be able to win that battle in our minds where we recognize what's not of God and what's not what God's Word says we need to think on and begin to cast them down and replace them with truth. And the only place we can find truth is in God's Word. And, and building ourselves up to be able to stand in faith, in confidence, in hope, and in peace, and in joy no matter what we face. Because we don't face it alone. We face it with a God who loves us, who wants to do good for us, who will work all things for good for us if we love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so as this has been going on, I've been asking God, God, help me understand. Please give me wisdom. And there was a scripture that began to to rise up, and I have been looking at this for months. um, But it's Psalm 4, verse 1, in the King James Version. uh, The psalmist writes, Hear me when I call, O my God of righteousness, You have enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. And as I began to read this and meditate on it and and spend time searching the scriptures, I I began to get an understanding that has helped me and I believe it's, it's, it's intended to help all of us because we're not going to be able to escape the challenges in this world. We're never given that option that you can escape them without experiencing them. There was a man who used to come here. His name is Albert Willis. Some of you know him and remember him. Many of you don't. He was a man that God had done amazing things in his life and through his life. And he would would just go down on the carpet down here and he would say, I'm going on and on and on and on. No matter what happens, I'm going to go on and on. Because he was going to trust God. And and he would tell us, you know what? If you want a a stress-free, pain-free, trouble-free life, there's a way. Everybody's attention was like, okay. (laughs) On that one, everybody leaned in. And Albert would say, all you have to do, put your hand over your heart and ask Jesus to stop it and go home to heaven. And, and he's true, It's right. In this world, we're going to have challenges. We're going to have challenges. Um, I'm going to do something I didn't do in the first service summer. I'm going to ask us to jump down to John 16, right now, and then we're going to go back. But in John 16, Jesus tells his disciples. Now, they're, they're headed towards the situation of the cross. They're already in some really difficult times because people are out to kill Jesus. And not just Jesus, but all of them too. They want to get rid of the whole group of them. And Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. What's Jesus offering them? Peace. But he doesn't say, regardless. He says, You may have it. It's a choice then he says in the world you'll have tribulation you'll have difficult times you'll have trouble there's pain in this world this is not heaven this is a place that sin has taken and continues to take a toll in but he says be of good cheer and tribulation trouble and cheerfulness don't go together in our natural way of thinking. But it can and it should as Christians. As not just followers of Jesus, but people who depend on and trust in, have faith in and a great expectation of what God can do, we can have peace and joy in the midst of trouble. Not for the trouble, but in the midst of it. Because Jesus said, I've overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, he will empower and impart to you what you need to overcome too. The Bible says that you are overwhelmingly more than conquerors. You are overcomers in all these things through Christ. And so when we face these things, and if we could go back to the first first scripture, Summer, thank you. When it says... That God has enlarged. That word enlarged means to um, broaden, to grow, to develop, and it infers to mature, to grow. That we would grow. God grows us when we are in distress. It doesn't say God distresses us so we'll grow. How many of you know that God can't give bad things? Well, that doesn't sound very convincing. I will tell you, the Bible says, every good and perfect gift comes from God in whom there's no variableness or shadow of change. What the scripture says is God can only give good because God is only good. It says every good and perfect gift comes from him, that he gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So God, in the midst of the distress, in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of this word, distress also means tribulation. Have you ever heard that word before? Have you heard it associated with any of the books of the Bible? Like the book of Revelation, where it talks about the great tribulation that's ahead of us? We're moving towards the time of great tribulation, great trouble, great pain, great sorrow in the earth as as this whole thing is wrapped up and God deals finally once and for all with what's happened in this world and recreates the world. But the Bible also tells us that There are various perspectives on this that before the tribulation, maybe the church is going to be removed or some say in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation. I personally believe, and the scriptures that I've found and I choose to hold on to is before all this tribulation occurs, God's going to remove the church. All right? Because I just believe that's the way God is and I believe that he reserves his wrath not for his children but there are others that believe other ways and and i thought it was stuart but i'm not sure stuart Winograd, who's going to be with us in june i thought he had said you know i'm a pantheist as far as all this end time stuff and i was like pantheist that sounds kind of secular what do you mean pantheist well i believe it's all going to pan out and, and you know what? I believe it's going to pan out too. I believe God's going to have his way in whatever way it is, it's the best. And he's going he's to fortify the church. If we have to go through it, we'll go through it in victory. If we're gone before, we're going to enjoy that. But whatever it is, God has the best plan. But knowing that in the midst of the time we're in right now, there's tribulation, there's trouble, there's sorrow, there there is difficult times and this says, in those times, when I was in those times, God enlarged me, God grew me. And so the truth of this is we don't have to fear the difficult times. We don't have to hide from the difficult times. Too many times as Christians, what we're doing is we're living a life and, and we're kind of moving, but we're not moving forward with purpose and intention our whole focus and our whole perspective is, I, ooh, I don't want that, so I'm going to move away from that. No, no, I don't want that. I'll move away from that. And gee, I don't want that, and 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 I don't want that. And we keep moving away from till we get to something that's immovable. something that we get our back up against. And how many of you know when you get backed into something and you're trying to get away from something else, the fear ends up just skyrocketing? It compounds the problems. And that's why God never intends us to move in our lives away from things but through them. And knowing that in this time of distress, this tribulation, this trouble, this difficulty, God is going to grow us. The the world tells us that when we go through things, we're either going to get better or bitter. And God always has for us to get better, always grow, always develop, always become stronger, more confident, more assured. Because of what we just went through with God and what he showed us he was capable of doing and how faithful he is and how wise he is and how strong he is and how loving he is and how generous he is. And in that time, all of a sudden, we have more confidence than ever before. You know, these situations that we encounter by the enemy's designer to destroy us, to break us, to batter us. And God has said he's going to use everything and work it for good to better us if we love him and are called according to his purpose. To grow us, to develop us, to mature us. Because when that happens, people notice. You are not unique. None of us are unique in what we face in this world. But what God wants to be unique is how we face it and what comes from it. That when you face the same trouble that somebody else did and they're watching you and they know you and they see And all of a sudden, you're not breaking down, you're not giving up, you're not melting down, you're not doing all those things. Or maybe we do have a meltdown, but we don't stay down. Because we look at our God and we know our God, with our God, everything is possible. There's nothing that is impossible for our God. And we begin to rise up in this confident expectation, this hope of the God of hope to bring us into something better than we could ever imagine or dream because that's what God does. The Bible says God will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. That the things he's prepared for us who love him are beyond our comprehension. And yet he's going to bring us into it if we'll just believe him and follow. But in these difficult times, we can grow. We can grow better. We can grow smarter. We can grow stronger. We can grow more secure. We can grow more confident. And how different is that than what we see in the general population of the world out there? Because more and more people are losing hope. They're less secure. They're less stable than ever before. And that's why they need God. And that's why they need to see God in all of us. And that's why they need to see us going through things and growing through things. And that's part of what God's plan is, always to grow. You know, God God loves us wherever we are. But God loves us too much to leave us there. God knows what he has for you that's beyond what you and I have on our radar and yet he wants to bring us into it but for that to happen, we have to trust him. We have to believe what we've never believed before but we don't know what to believe but we know who to believe and we can believe him. We can believe in his word. We can believe in his character. We can believe that what he's done, he'll continue to do because he doesn't change. And that'll help us grow. And as we grow, we're going to begin to be that witness to the people around us that are so desperate and in need of seeing something good come out of something bad and Again, the Bible tells us in Psalms, many are the afflictions of the righteous. We can't avoid it. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. But we don't live a life of avoidance. We live a life of overcoming. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues us out of everyone. Everyone. And that's where we need to put forth our faith and believe. God, you said this. That settles it, and I'm choosing to believe it. So I know it's not done until I see what you said. Because God is never going to stop short of fulfilling his word. And so this growth, it's a process. Just like my healing's been a process, there have been different parts, and we've had to make some adjustments and be willing to go through some things that were not the most comfortable, not the most enjoyable at the moment, but just like now, there's still pain, and you have pain, you have challenges, but what is that pain doing? The pain I'm experiencing is the pain of healing. It's becoming less and less. That means I'm gaining. We all can gain. We can't avoid and gain. We have to go through and gain. And trust God in it. But this growth. You know, just like anything, if, if we're going to grow, there has to be an intentionality of it. We have to be intentional and, and choose to do something that we haven't been doing. Do you grow just because? Yeah, we get older, but we don't get better. We don't get stronger unless we make a choice to do the right things. If, if I'm going to grow stronger... What should I do? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of answers, but one would most likely be go to the gym, right? And if I just go to the gym and stroll around, am I going to be stronger just because I was in the place? Hey, I went to the gym today, hon. Yeah, but you look bigger than yesterday. Not in a good way. No, I've got I've to work out, which is what? Comfortable? What, honey? Pain. Pain. See, Debbie keys in on the pain. Because Debbie's motto is no pain, no pain. And and if you don't go through the pain, you are not going to see the gain. Because we know. You haven't been walking, you go out and walk. Haven't been swimming, you go out and swim. You haven't been biking, you go out and bike. You, You haven't been lifting weights, you go out and lift. What comes tomorrow? Sore. Why? Why does the sore come? Because you're using something you've never used before. You stressed it, right? You, you've worked it. You've done something uncomfortable, unfamiliar, but beneficial. And if you keep with it long enough, you'll see, you'll begin to see the results. Do you see it the next day? No, you feel that pain, which is a a real struggle to overcome so you don't give in to the pain and say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to get one of those little belts that electronically squeezes my... (laughs) No, it's it's understanding that pain is for gain. You're going to gain, and what you're going to gain is going to be well worth the pain that you go through. It's not damaging pain. It's uncomfortable, but it's developing pain. It develops you. And this is so contrary to us because we as human beings want the easiest way, the way of least resistance, the quickest way, but that's the way of the flesh. And the Bible says if you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. We can't give place to the flesh and expect ourselves to grow in Christ We're going to become weaker, frailer, have more failures than ever before until we turn it around and say, God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to be willing to grow through these troubles. Let you help me grow through these troubles. And that growth is a part of our lives. God wants us to grow. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, it says, as newborn babes, Desire the pure milk of God's word that you may grow thereby. The word of God is, is related and, and there are a couple of word pictures. One of them is milk. And then as we grow older and more capable, it's meat. You don't feed meat to babies, do you? Thank you, Kalani. Because they can't handle it. It, it, it's detrimental to them, but they need the milk. I was at a uh, Debbie and I were at a uh, birthday for a one-year-old yesterday, and a one-year-old isn't a baby baby. But one of the things I noticed was, for that child to have the milk it needed, the 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 child didn't go over to the fridge and pull out a jar of milk and pour it into a glass and say, "Okay, I'm I'm taken care of. I'm I'm good." They had to hand a sippy cup to that child, and that child then had to choose to lift it up and drink it. And if the parents drank the cup of milk for the child, what benefit would the child have? I know, I know, obvious question, but I'm asking it because there's a part that that child has to do. As much as the parents do so much up to a point... God does so much up to a point, but there's a part you and I have to do. This says, as newborn babes, we have to desire the pure milk of the word. We have the word in this country like very few countries do. And yet, many Christians remain in baby stages of their Christianity because they're not drinking their milk. And when I say that, when you come here or you read a book that's a Christian book or the Bible or uh, get a DVD or whatever, if, if you don't consume that and allow that to do work in you, then you're going to stay in those baby stages. You're, you're going to chronologically grow older. I've been a Christian for 30 years, but you're still a baby. And what's the difference between a baby and a full-grown adult? It's massive. But they all have the same bones. They have the same muscles. They have the same everything. One hasn't developed. The other one has. One is totally dependent on everybody else. The other one can help everybody else. And so it's not how long you've been a Christian. It's how have you grown How have you developed? How have you matured? Have you moved from consumer to contributor or is it all about you? Because it's time. It's time that we continue to grow. We've got to grow out of baby stages. We need to learn how to get strong in God and begin to be able to do what somebody else used to do for us, somebody else used to pray for us, now we pray for us, and somebody else used to pray, you know, and do these things, and now we're learning how to do it. And then we grow from learning how to do it ourselves for ourselves. We learn how to do it ourselves for somebody else. Because that's when the blessing really kicks in. I know we're blessed when we pray and we see our prayers answered, but you're going to be so much more blessed when you pray for somebody else and see that prayer answered for them. It's an amazing thing. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow, again, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge. How do you grow in knowledge? Yeah, you study. Our, our society in America, we are huge on education. And you can't do it alone. You can't do it on your own. Even homeschooling, it takes somebody beyond where the children are to be able to input to them so that they can grow. And we, we need to grow in knowledge, the knowledge of God. It's not just a self-help, I'll-do-it-myself thing. We need each other. And it's a process. You know, if we're, we're, we're prideful, unteachable, we can sit in services, we can go to all the seminars, we can get all the books, we can get all the CDs and the DVDs. We can watch whatever we want to watch on, online and we'll still be babies, Because it's all about us. Or we can begin to take in, develop that, and begin to give out and begin to mature and produce what God has for us to produce. And one of the things God has for us to produce is fruit. But we're to grow in grace and knowledge. Who does grace come to? The humble, God gives grace to the humble, and that's part of us developing. Humility is the opposite of pride. And when we grow, we grow in humility, and in the kingdom of God, we grow grow down more humble. In the kingdom of the world, we grow more prideful. Do you know that there's an example in the Word of God about the last days and how in the last days, the angels are going to come and harvest those that are left on the earth. And they liken them to two things. One is, is a shaft of wheat. And God's people are, are at times related to wheat. And then there are the people that have turned away from God, not doing anything with God. They're called the tares. And it talks about, there's a, a parable where uh, Jesus teaches in how a man planted a field of wheat, and an evil person came at night and sowed tares among the wheat, weed, weeds among the wheat. And when they started to see it happening, uh, they said, Should we go and pull up the tares? And he said, No. Let the weeds, the tares, grow up with the wheat. And then at the time of harvest, har- take out the tares and separate the wheat. And you know, it's so easy at that point. Back then, they didn't have all the mechanisms that we have. And the reason why they did that was when the harvest occurs, they harvested the tares first because that weed grows up and it stays straight up. It looks almost exactly like a stalk of wheat. But when the wheat grows up, the wheat begins to get the grains in the head and it bows down. There's a humility that comes. And with the tares, the weeds sticking straight up, it's an easy do to separate them. You know, God wants us to walk in humility. When we walk in humility, we grow because grace abounds to us and knowledge abounds to us. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love, you may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Speaking the truth in love. That's what causes us to grow. And we need to grow. If we're growing in anything other than truth, we're not growing in the right direction. How many of you know you can grow in a good way or in a bad way? It depends. It's all in what we choose. We can have a diet of all the information that the world has for us. And I'm going to tell you right now, you will not grow in godliness. You will not grow in a way that will cause you to become stronger and better through the trials that you face. Or we can grow in the Word, in our relationship and dependence on God, our trust in God, in our knowing who God is, His character and His nature, and become ever more confident and settled that no matter what we face, Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That God is with us to cause us to overcome and be more than conquerors in all things. But we may grow up as speaking in the truth and love, grow up in all things into him who is the head. Christ is the head of the church. We're the body. Any body part that isn't truly connected to the head. What happens when... When a portion of the body, somehow, that connection through the the spinal cord is broken and the head can't communicate to it, what happens with that piece of body part? Paralysis. It's no longer able to do what it was created to do. And I want you to know when we aren't connected the way we need to be connected, and that's not just a, I come to church on Sunday It's coming to church and being present and being engaging and receiving what God has and going out and applying what God has. But it's also Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday where we're connecting with God because we have the privilege and opportunity to connect with God. These are are all things that help us develop and grow because we need to grow better, stronger, especially in these days. God is taking the church In the midst of the darkness getting darker, what is happening with the church? What is God doing with the church? He's taking the church from glory to glory. And for that to happen, there's got to be growth. And when we grow, there's got to be some sort of external things that people around us can see because they need to see what God can do in a life that is trusting him and relying on him. God wants and expects growth. God is the God of growth. He did it from the beginning. Do you know when God made the Garden of Eden, it was an area on the face of the earth. And what God told Adam and Eve to do was to be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, and, and cause the garden to tend it, cause the garden to continue to grow till God's plan was the garden would grow all over the face of the, the earth where the land was. And yet sin came in and stopped the growth. Like sin comes into our lives and stops the growth. Sin robs. God has for us to grow. And that's why we have to make these choices. What what are we going to do? Who are we going to trust? What are we going to look for? And how are we going to respond? And we're going to see how important this growth is. And what happens that sometimes confuses us. We're like, you know, I've I've been trusting you, God, but it seems like all I have is trouble upon trouble, pain upon pain. And yet the pain isn't the destructive pain. There is a pain. There is a mechanism that God at times uses in the midst of those difficult times to cause us to grow. We can choose to grow. I want you to know the most important freedom you have is your freedom of choice. What are you going to choose? How are you going to choose to view things? How are you going to choose to go through things? And if we choose to view them in light of, God's with me. This is not going to overwhelm me. God's going to help me overcome it. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow stronger. I'm going to grow more secure as we go through this and we see the goodness that God brings us into. Amen? I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. But it's in this, again, it requires choice. It's not something that just happens automatically. It's a result of choices that we have. The choices of who am I depending on? What am I trusting in? You see, we grow up trusting in ourselves. We sometimes trust in others until we get hurt, Disenchanted with how people treat us. And then we kind of shut down and we kind of go on our own. But God's always been there. God's the only one that has always wanted the best for you and could do more than anybody else could. And yet until we turn to him and invite him to govern our lives and guide our lives and guard our lives, then we're it's up to us. And we don't do such a good job. But that's where God can do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And so today, if you're here and you've never, never trusted in Jesus, never turned your life over to him, never repented and said, God, forgive me, I've sinned. I recognize you died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, and today I receive that forgiveness. And you become this new creation in Christ, That's a beginning point, to be able to grow into the fullness of what God has actually created you to be and to do. If that's you, if you've never done that, whether you're here in the sanctuary with us or you're online, I'm going to invite you to pray today. And you may say, well, I'm not sure I want to pray. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're never going to have anything different than what you currently have in your life until you choose something different. And today to make the choice to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life, for him to govern your life, to guide your life and to guard your life, then you're going to have to do that all yourself and and look at your track record. All of our track record shows we're incapable of doing the job that we want and so need. And so if that's you today, I invite you to pray with me. I'm going to invite all of us to pray together. But if that's you, you today are making a decision and a determination to receive Jesus as your Lord with every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father. I thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I come to you today in need of a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, Lord Jesus, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.